Welcome to the Happy Mindset Podcast, episode 166. Today's episode is called La Therapy. Today I'm just going to talk around therapy. Broadly split into three different categories. You've got the professional setting, you've got friends group, and you've got activities, activities you can engage, engage in that are therapeutic in nature. So my, my journey into therapy and coaching, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. To be honest, I didn't even know I was heading in this direction initially. I, I thought I was just learning about the mind, state of mind. I didn't realize I was on the path towards healing and therapy and really getting at the core of my issues. So mine's been a mixed bag because I didn't know what therapy was at the start. I think in society today, I think it's improved the stigma that was there around therapy. I think it's more open today that people are willing to say that I'm in therapy or I'm uh, just genuinely working through my problems and want to be a better person. Even that phrase, I'm in therapy, I think I think the stigma is around at some level it feels like this person hasn't got their shit in order. I think that's partly why there's a stigma there. Also, I think it's because the people who stigmatize their therapy just haven't really thought about what therapy is, what purpose it serves. And a misperception I've, I've seen around therapy in the past has been that you go to somebody to figure out your problems for you. See, the problem here is that there's an element of truth to this, and I've experienced this myself, that you can go to people, go to coaches. I've been to coaches before around state of mind, and I didn't actually find it that helpful towards the end. I found it helpful at the beginning to get a general understanding of the mind, a general understanding that I'm not... Uh, I'm not special that there's other people going through similar problems to me. And that gives you a sense of not being alone. But I found in the school of thought of the coach that I was going to, it felt very dogmatic and rigid a lot of the time. And I felt too in my head. And I feel therapy, the purpose of therapy in my life has been to gain healing, to feel into emotions that I've bottled up. That gives me a clarity of mind. It gives me a peace of mind that I wouldn't have otherwise. That's where, that's why I see the purpose of therapy useful. That's why I see it as a useful thing to do. And for me, that doesn't look like a specific way either. So that phrase, I'm in therapy, doesn't really mean so much. Doesn't really mean much to me, to be honest. Because like I said, like I'm even talking about today, three broad categories of therapy. I don't ever feel like I'm in therapy. I feel like I don't ignore what's going on for me. And I let my intuition guide me in the direction of whatever insights, whatever healings I need to go through to progress with my life. That's the way I see it. I don't see it as like I go to therapy to fix myself to go back into normal life. I actually feel that normal life is what makes us need to go to therapy in the first place because we get so disoriented and so confused about who we are and our place in the world that we're a mess uh, from, from living in the world unconsciously. So I'd be more worried about the people who, who, who stigmatize therapy and don't know what it is than the people who know what it is and find their own flow with it. So in the professional context there, 
I've gone to hypnotherapists. I've gone to coaches. I haven't, the talk therapy, I think, has been indirect. And that, I guess, leads on to the friends group here. What I found from genuinely engaging with this, I've had better interactions with people. And the people in my life now today that I consider friends, it's a lot healthier than it was in the past in my university years and in my early 20s. In my early 20s, I didn't really know. I didn't have a sense of myself. My self-esteem, my sense of self was very tied into other people. So I had no real sense of self that wasn't in relation to other people, which is a very harmful way of being because you don't, yeah, you don't have a sense of self outside of the self you feel you are in relation to other people. And when that's your, your almost entire sense of self, then there's a self image in there that you're putting up to the world that you feel like you have to maintain at all times. And it's a very dysfunctional way of living. So in the professional context, when it comes to therapy, the things I would look out for in hindsight now, I pay attention to the feeling. How are you feeling in the therapeutic setting? So in the therapeutic setting, you will have to face uncomfortable issues, resolve uncomfortable things within you. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's where growth is. But in the therapeutic setting, you shouldn't feel a sense of judgment and you shouldn't feel a sense of somebody with pre preconceived notions, the therapist having preconceived notions about what your problem is. It should be an environment where you feel listened to, you feel heard, and you feel safe enough to explore the aspects of your life that you were afraid to do before, that you were afraid to face before. That's the feelings I would pay attention to. I wouldn't necessarily pay so much attention to the rationalization of the therapist. I would pay attention to your own critical thinking. Is your own critical thinking improving? Are you seeing reality more clearly from fiction more easily? Are you able to determine what you can control, what you can control a bit easier? Are your interactions with other people improving? They're the things I would pay attention to. Yeah, if I had to do it back over again, well, that's, that's the way I'm kind of moving forward with things. So what you'll notice when you're engaging with therapy in the professional setting, it'll start rippling out into other aspects of your life. This is the joy of it. It's like meditation mindfulness. You don't just compartmentalize that to have five minutes of peace. You do that because you want to have that experience of what that feels like and it spreads out, it ripples out into the rest of your life. So that's what you'll find when you become more psychologically healthy, when you become more in touch with yourself, with your feelings, with your intuition, your interactions with other people will improve because you'll notice when you've got interactions that don't feel good, that aren't moving in a good direction, and you'll be more willing to face why is it the way it is. You'll be more willing to say no, when, you, when your impulses say yes, that's gradually, it's those small little things you notice and the small decisions you make 
that will gradually start to improve your life in the long term. It'll start moving you in a direction that you feel is a good fit for you. That's the friend setting there. That's You'll notice that you'll become closer to friends you might already have that you weren't expecting to become closer to. You'll meet new people also who are on a similar path to you. It's actually quite a quite an exciting time when you're dealing with your own problems. You're because when you're dealing with problems, you'll spot opportunities better, and you'll be, be able to be more creative more. Uh, you'll be you'll feel more peace to yourself. You'll feel less like your emotional state is dependent on achieving these results that society conditions you to go after. That's part of the problem why you go to therapy in the first place. If you're so wrapped up in this image society puts in your mind of what you should look like and who you are, therapy is a good outlet to start undoing a lot of the damage there. And that doesn't mean that you don't need to come that you can't engage with society thing. I just feel like the healthy balance is realizing that your emotional state isn't dependent on these goals that society will set yourself. You'll pick up off from society. Like once you can separate that out, there's a bit more playfulness there. So when you don't achieve goals, you can look at it more objectively. You don't waste a lot of time being in a self-pity party. It's all those types of things that you save time, you save energy, you save heartache, and then you genuinely engage with the things that are heartbreaking. So you learn the lessons more. So you're moving through those processes in a more healthier way. So like when you do have actual grief in your life, you're not afraid of feeling the grief. It goes through you. I guess it would go, it, like in my life, I feel like when you're not resisting these emotions, you actually learn what you need to learn from that. And the process is a lot quicker than when you're not engaging with it because it doesn't go away. The other thing you'll notice with the friends group is that certain friends right now will drop out of your life because you're changing. The dynamic of the relationship must change. If the other person isn't changing, they still want that dynamic, you'll gradually fi find that you'll just drift apart. And that's not a bad thing. Don't hold on to your current circumstances if you don't know exactly what the dynamic is. And the thing is, in my life, I've never known what the dynamic was only it was in hindsight that I understood it, the dynamic with the contrast. But the thing is, with life, life happens, people move in their own directions anyway. So I think the wise option is to intentionally move in the direction you want to move in, the direction that feels good to you. And then my philosophy has just been let the chips fall where they may. If I want a life where I genuinely engage with life, then the people who also want that will start talking to me a bit more and finding where I am a bit more. That's where my chips, let the chips fall where they may philosophy for me anyway. It's the same way, like if somebody's a compulsive lawyer, I think at the start of their life, they'll get away with it when there's a lot of people naive to the world and aren't really sure how, how life works. I think in your 20s, you start to wisen up to the world and people in it. So if you're a compulsive lawyer all throughout your 20s, you're still a compulsive lawyer in your 30s. I think the trajectory there is that People who are who just can't stand that, who want to have an honest life, who want to be honest with themselves as much as possible, who want other people who are compassionate and honest, they won't want to be around compulsive lawyers and they'll see them more clearly over time also because that behavior just gets worse. It's like any addiction. I look at compulsive lying as an addiction. Any addiction just progressively gets worse until the person who's addicted wakes up one day and starts to heal from that. So... The way I feel that kind of 
turns out is that somebody who's a compulsive liar will just find themselves around people who are also dishonest and they'll be in that little echo chamber not realizing that there's another experience of life they can have that is a bit more genuine a bit more honest so if you're intentional about that you can use the same principle you can go i i want to actually have a life now where i feel like there's meaning to my life there's purpose to my life i like my interactions with people i like who i am if those are your goals at the outset then with this chips, let the chips fall where they may philosophy, then you can start moving in that direction. And then where it becomes difficult is that you probably will come across times where you felt like the person was your friend. And now that you're moving in this direction, you're starting to actually see them in a new light, a side that you've never seen of them before. It'd be much easier to look away and pretend that that side doesn't exist. But now that you've chosen this path, the pain, you have to process that pain. That's what therapy things helpful again is that therapy will help you to face uncomfortable truths and comfortable emotions that are stopping you from moving forward right now so just on to the activities again so the activities in my life that have been therapeutic have been writing podcasting it's primarily podcasting writing coding helps me with the critical thinking and dealing with frustration uh, doing difficult things. Writing is difficult too, but I actually enjoy writing. And because I'm just expressing myself and finding my own style, I'm just expressing feelings, emotions, thoughts that I actually get a lot of, yeah, I get a lot of joy from it, a lot of clarity from it. So I don't, I don't see writing as much as a frustration. I see it as more of an exploration an inner self-discovery process. And, uh, but because of my value of, like I said, like I mentioned already, I value critical thinking, I value emotional intelligence, and I value being in touch with my intuition. There are three things that other people can't give me. So my primary outlet of therapy is self-therapy. That's why I engage in a podcast every week. That's why I write every week. And that's also why I talk to different people on my podcast, my, in, in the conversations I have because they give me different perspectives, different ways of thinking. And I synthesize and assimilate all that knowledge into my own world. So that's why schools, of, different schools of thoughts have always served me well. And I also like that in other people, like even if somebody's a psychologist, I'd like to go to the psychologist who's also a biodynamic massage therapist, or has got other strings to their bow, because that shows to me that this person isn't married to that one school of thought that they see the schools of thoughts as ways to improve the human being the focus is on the human being mind body spirit they're looking at different modalities to see how can we improve the person how can we help them with their problems how can we help them heal so they're not married to one solution being the correct solution because like i've mentioned a few podcasts already that's a pit i see people stuck in for a long time and it's a very black and white way of thinking, very limited way of thinking. Obviously, there's, there's other cases, I guess, where people specialize in something, they still maintain an open mind. I think it's just once you're maintaining an open mind, that's the key thing. I've just found when you're bouncing between schools of thoughts, it helps you to keep your mind open a lot easier than if you specialize. You're not even aware what your blind spots are because you're not genuinely engaging with other schools of thoughts. That's what I've grown to learn anyway with the different approaches, different modalities. And it also ties to my belief that you have to work on a mind, body, spirit level. You can only go so far with the mind. 
you can only go so far. Also, I think with the body, if you're not thinking clearly day to day, because the thinking will help you to organize your day, get clear on your values, get clear on your interactions with people. It helps you pay attention to all that stuff that I don't think just on a body level, you'd be able to pay attention to. Working on the body will help you to, to connect with the suppressed feelings that you're holding that are, that are, what's the word? That are just kind of, those feelings that are, that are the words completely gone for me, but it's basically when you're not in touch with suppressed emotions, they will just be wrecking havoc with your life without you ever seeing it. So you're blinded to them. And I'm sure it happens in my life too, but because I'm aware that that's there, at least when I'm aware of it, I will consciously work on that stuff. So I, I don't as much fear that. No, not as much. Anyway. And on the spirit level, I've just found what working on the spirit level just gives you a, a an open-mindedness, an extreme open-mindedness. So when I work, when I think about the spirit level, I think of awareness and that's about it. I think of energy and awareness that that's who I am at the core. And just think of the amount of open-mindedness you get from that. And it just makes life worth living. I feel uh, when you, when you, so I suppose with that, it's not something I think about. It's something I feel it's something I'm open to feeling in myself. But I think you can actually also repress that, that feeling that you're much more than you think you are, because you can, you can kind of get lost in that when you're, when you're actually overthinking that feeling. But if you just naturally allow that feeling to come up own that feeling, I just feel like it, it kind of it brings a sense of aliveness to yourself that you wouldn't have otherwise. And uh, I think that manifests in your creativity and your art. And so at the moment, something I'm looking at is Edward Munch. Cause I'm writing, still writing my book at the moment, the edge is a chapter in it called mind bending art. And I'm looking at the imagery that Davey created in the artistic nuance podcast episode. He had the Mona Lisa with my character with a beard. He had, uh, Edward Munch, the screen picture, and then the son of man, what's his name, Marguerite, he's a French guy, a French painter. I'm just looking into that now and, and find it fascinating because the son of man has got an apple in front of the, the man's face. This claims that the man is, is uh, Marguerite himself. But I was looking into that and it was a surrealism movement, which was tied to, to, which was inspired by Freud's book, The Interpretation of Dreams. And just looking into that, you're, it just makes you aware of the habit of the conscious mind to fill in things that aren't actually there. So when you look at that picture of the son of men, what you'll notice that your tendency is to imagine what the face looks like behind the apple, even though you'll never know what it looks like. And it just, makes you aware of that desire within us to, to know the unknown. And uh, I find that, I find that fascinating about life when I think about it on a subconscious level, it's, it's fitting that they tied it to Freud and somebody in the psycholo psychological field is exploring the unconscious. Uh, I find that fascinating that there's elements of your reality that are created from your unconscious mind. And when you start to pay attention to the lessons your unconscious mind is trying to teach you, it just makes life a bit more like a, 
a treasure hunt or puzzle on some level. I, I feel that anyway. But they're the main things anyway I want to explore about therapy today. Uh, uh, like I'm saying, I, I think art and creativity and self-therapy are very powerful and then meeting other like-minded people because I found in my life self-therapy is good, but then there's only so much I can do for myself without speaking to other people, be it friends, be it professionals. It's just, I suppose that the advice I would give about therapy is to not, to not feel like it's a, not feel like you're a person in therapy or that it's something that you do that other people don't do. I'd feel, I'd approach it in the sense that some people like football, some people like fashion, some people like to engage a bit in therapy. Uh, that's the way I kind of feel about it. It's not, it's not an identity you need to carry around with yourself. It's something you can engage with that will help you feel more yourself. That's just the way I'd, I'd kind of simply sum it up at the end there. And the thing is, people engage in therapy, whether they're aware, aware of it or not, because if they're not doing a professional setting, they'll have friends, they'll have somebody they can open up to. And if they don't have somebody they can open up to, they'll have an activity that they engage in that is therapeutic to them that they mightn't be aware of. So for me, it's writing, podcasting, it's even running as well. I, I run quite a lot. Other people can be the gym. It can be football. It can be music, it can be dance. There's so many ways of engaging in therapy that we don't tend to think of as therapy. So it's a thing that everybody engages in. It's just a matter of getting clear on what's your form of therapy, what's going to be most beneficial to you. And then when you're clear on that, you'll just make more time for it because you see that it's a value to you in your life. It's actually making you a better person, a better person who like is making the lives of other people around them that little bit easier than if they weren't engaging in their forms of therapy. So that's it anyway. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast and go to happymindset.com, there's a few options there. You can join us in a monthly Zoom call. We'll be talking about stuff on that Zoom call like we talk about in this podcast. It's just a place where you can be yourself, talk true things and just meet other people as well. And yeah, on the website, you find my book. I think that's it for today. So thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you on the next episode.